Travis was asking me if I wanted my balloons. There's a story. Uh, Tuesday morning at uh, the Music Center Convention, Music City Convention Center, uh, your choir, Travis and and I were part of the Men of Valor uh, breakfast. Men of Valor is a prison ministry that we are partners with, and we were part of that program. Uh, I was to do the concluding prayer, and they told me when the choir gets to their big number, all of the men who have been part of the Men of Valor program, guys coming out of prison, will walk to the forward toward the stage. And it's a big resurrection number, and, and it's, it's really impressive and powerful to see the lives that are being changed in that ministry. And when that happens, balloons will fall. And when the song finishes, you do the prayer. Okay, easy enough. Well, I thought the balloons were gonna fall out there. (laughs) Balloons fell everywhere. So I'm over here side stage trying to get to the podium kicking balloons and (laughs) (laughs) trying to get up there in a prayerful state of mind. And... um, (laughs) And Travis leans over and goes, you want balloon Sunday? So that's just what he was asking me there. Do you want want the balloons come down? So (laughs) I hope uh, you'll be here this afternoon to hear the presentation of Savior. I snuck in uh, yesterday and heard them rehearse. Uh, It's going to be something. Three o'clock, six o'clock. This is a great time to invite your friends. And... um, to be part of this, uh, as usual, they are over the top. And so it will be well, well worth uh, your time and a great start to your uh, Easter uh, week. I do hope that you'll be praying this week. Uh, the church is open uh, during those set times, but we hope even if you can't make it during those times that you'll be praying. Um, in, in my own study, I have been reading again the book of Romans and I'm impressed uh, by Paul's brokenness uh, for the lost people that he's encountered. And um, that has stayed with me and I'm very burdened by the, uh, the heaviness and the lostness of our world. And the only answer is Jesus. And, and that comes when the church gets hungry uh, and, and begins to pray. It didn't happen any other time. So I pray that it will be a priority for you and then we will look forward to celebrating Easter with you next week. People who study these things, conflict management, say that sometimes you can, you can ease the tension in a room, you can take the temperature down a little bit if you learn to ask questions instead of making statements. If you can say things like, that's an interesting point. Can you tell me how you got there? Things like, um, I, I'm not sure I understand. Can you, can you back up and tell me what your goal is in this process? When everything's said and done, can you tell me what it is that you want to achieve in this moment? Or even a question as simple as, how are you? And then stick around long enough for the answer. There is something disarming about a question. There is something 
that kind of makes you relax a little bit if there's a question. There are those questions, however, that stop history. Pilate asked Jesus such a question. John records it in the 18th chapter of his gospel. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Verse 33, and Pilate went back into his headquarters and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you asking on your own or did somebody else tell you this about me? I'm not a Jew, am I, Pilate said. Your own nation and chief priest have handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom isn't from here. You are a king then. You say that I'm a king, Jesus said, if I was born for this. I have come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What is truth? This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. As you stood in front of Pontius Pilate so long ago in this moment right here, right now, you stand in front of us. May we see, O oh Lord, what he didn't. May we find in you what he couldn't. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Again, we don't want to rush past the seriousness of this moment. Jerusalem was about to explode. Think about the riots that happened in our own nation this past summer. That was about to happen in Jerusalem. There had been this vibration of frustration kind of bouncing in Jerusalem. Pilate was well aware of it and he knew if he didn't handle this situation well, then Jerusalem would get out of control. Now understand, Pontius Pilate was sent to Judea for two reasons. To collect the taxes and to make sure they got to Rome, keep the peace. That's it. Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say make the people happy. I didn't say run a good government. He had two jobs, collect the taxes, and keep the peace. He was about to lose the peace. Now, this thing had been going on for some time. Uh, word came that there was a prophet in the north, 
uh, from Galilee who were stirring the people up. Spies had reported back to Pilate about this man who was teaching with a, a different kind of authority. There was something in the way he talked that made you want to listen to him. There was something in the way he walked that made you want to follow. There were stories that he had healed the sick. There were some stories that he had raised the dead. And now the crowds were so big that he had to stay in the countryside. There was no city in the area big enough to hold him. Now, if Jesus had stayed in the countryside, that would have been one thing. He would have been out of Pilate's hair. He wouldn't have threatened the center of power or control. He wouldn't have messed with Jerusalem. But he came to Jerusalem. And no one could forget that a couple of days before when Jesus came into the city, what Jesus was doing. He was riding in as a king. He was riding in claiming this city as his own. Pilate would have to pay attention now. And he did. Religious leaders have been paying attention since Jesus first started teaching. Since the first whispers that Jesus might have been a Messiah. Now understand, there were lots of Messiahs. Now, there were Messiahs in every region. There was Messiahs in every community. And most of the time, they, these Messiahs would stir up some kind of small town rebellion, some kind of group that would get agitated, and the Roman army would put it down quickly and efficiently and brutally. So to say that there was a Messiah in the countryside was not anything that concerned Pilate. He had dealt with him before. Now, this Messiah was right under Pilate's nose. Not only that, but this Messiah had sent everybody off the edge. It's always impressed me how fast the religious leaders got with the political leaders in Jerusalem and decided that Jesus had to die. It's in the first handful of, of chapters in the Gospel of Mark that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the Herodians, the political leaders, got together and decided somebody had to do something about Jesus. It's funny, but the Pharisees and the Herodians hated each other. But you know how it is. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. If you can help me with this Jesus problem, then maybe we can find out a way to work together. What had Jesus done? Jesus had committed the unforgivable crime. You know that crime, don't you? Tell the truth. Oh, you wanna get in trouble? You want to be canceled? Tell the truth. When you do, the world will have short, short, short tolerance for you. That's what Jesus had done. What did he tell the religious leaders? He told the religious leaders, you can't put God in a spot where he owes you. You see, we use a lot of different names, but we have the same kind of understanding, don't we? A lot of us, like the religious leaders of, of Jesus' day, think that if you, if you behave enough, if you do good enough, if you get enough gold stars, 
then you can go to God in prayer and cash in your stars for prizes. Right? Isn't that? Listen, I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. We had a point system. Come to church on Sunday morning, a few points. Sunday night, a few more points. Wednesday night, gold crown status. (laughs) Right? And you and I think that if we behave enough, if we earn enough points, we can cash these points in for answered prayer. Who has given God advice that God now owes him? Who has loaned money to God that now God must repay him? Jesus reminded the religious religious leaders that you can't do enough ever to admit God to owe you. To put God in a box where he has to do what you're asking him to do. You can't do that. And you know, some of you are mad right now because you had the religious leader's understanding of your faith. I've been a good boy all my life. I've behaved all my life. I've been a good girl all my life. And you went to God when you needed a new job or when something was when you got sick and Jesus didn't answer the prayer the way you wanted him to and you thought you had wasted all your gold stars. And you're still mad. You have folded your arms and you have rumped but you're not gonna do that again. You haven't understood that this thing we call Christianity is not about information. It's It's not about knowing the right answers. It's about knowing him. It's about knowing him so well and living your life fashioned by him and for him and to him so deeply that you would keep the religious laws even if you did not know them. You would act that way simply because you are his son, his daughter, his child. Even if you didn't know. The religious leaders were the dispensers of the gold stars. It was their power. And Jesus had ripped that all away and they were mad. Other people, those on the outskirts of the community, the down and out that Jesus always seemed to find, well, they'd been told that their life didn't matter. And you know, after a while of being told that your life doesn't matter, you believe that. And after a while of believing it, you get to where you like it. Now, I, I know that doesn't sound right, but some of you, have you ever heard those, uh, all of those times when Jesus asked somebody, do you want to get well? And, and, we, and we read that, we go, what? why would he even ask that? Honestly, some of you don't want to get well. Okay, we have a wound and that wound has defined us and that wound is our excuse and we don't ever have to do better because we've been wounded and there is no wound like our wound, right? You see, 
And Jesus comes to you and says, there's a second chance. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of pressure. Sometimes wives will come to me and go, I, I feel so bad because my husband continues to drink and he says, it's all my fault. I said, it's not his, your fault. You don't have anything to do with him drinking. That's his choice. Let me tell you what's happened. He got up in the morning and said, today I'm going to drink. Now it doesn't matter what he has to do to end up in the bar in the afternoon. He's going to get there. Now he's there because you're a loving wife and he doesn't deserve you. So he has to drink. Or you're a mean, hateful woman who doesn't understand him, put too much pressure on him, and he's got to drink. End of the story, he's going to drink. That's the decision he's made. Now tell him he doesn't have to, that there's a freedom in Christ. Now you have put a lot of pressure on him. Are you the king? Is that your opinion or somebody else's? It's a yes, no question, Jesus. Give me a yes. Yes, I am a king. I'll put you to death. We'll go on. Give me a no. I'll let you go. We go on. It's a yes, no question, Jesus. No, it's not. Because if Pilate says, yes, you are a king, then Pilate has to respond to Jesus as if Jesus is king. You just don't say Jesus is Lord and walk off as if nothing has happened. You've made, a, you've made a statement in that and that statement has a claim on you. Just tell me the truth. That's not what Pilate says, is it? Did you notice the question? Did you hear it? What is truth? Not what is the truth. You'd expect him to ask that, but he didn't. He asked something else. What is truth? Here's what he was saying, Jesus, Look around, my whole world is about to blow up and there's not a solid space I can stand on. So tell me where I can stand. Remember Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the person who hears my words and obeys them is like the person who builds his house on the rock and when the storm comes and the winds blow and the rains fall, the house won't fall. We live in a culture that says there is no truth and everybody has to find their own truth. And, and, and that's like, have you been at the beach, right? You go into the water at the beach and you, you're having fun, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're having fun, having, you're not paying attention. And all of a sudden, you're over your head. What happened to the bottom? Nothing. It's where the bottom always was. You've just moved. Now you have one job, find bottom. Okay? So, and you've seen them, you've done it. You start going down till you find bottom. Then you push up and breathe. <gasps> then you go back down, move a little bit, try to find bottom, push up and breathe. 
A lot of us are living that way. Is this truth? No. Is this isn't truth? Is this truth? Can I stand here? No. Can I stand here? And you're bobbing up and down and you're running out of breath. And we lean in quiet because we really, really want to hear Jesus' answer. And what does Jesus say? Did you see it? Nothing. He doesn't answer at all. Why? Because Jesus didn't say, I bring you the truth. He didn't say, I tell you the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The answer to Pilate's question was standing right in front of him. And he couldn't see it. Sometimes the answer is so close, you can't see what's standing right in front of you. And now Pilate had to make the decision. His wife had had a dream for Pilate to not have anything to do with this man. And you know the story, Pilate washed his hands. Unable to see the truth. That was right in front of him. There's an old story that's told. It's not true. But why should we let truth get in the way of a good story? Did you know after Pilate he lost this job. He is reported by the people of the kingdom for being brutal. And because he lost his patronage in the Senate, he is fired from this job. Now, <clears throat> one story says Caligula told him to commit suicide and that's what he did. Another story says that he went into exile and he was near, he was in Europe near the river Rhone. And he committed suicide by drowning. Unable, he said, to wash the blood of Christ off of his hands, he would try to wash it out of his life and he committed suicide by drowning. Now, story goes that if you're on a particular part of the River Rhone on Good Friday, you will see Pilate walking the river stooping down and washing his hands, trying to get the blood of Christ off his hands. Now, like I say, it's not true, but it's a good story, isn't it? <laughs> Some of you remember exactly where you were. You remember the moment when Jesus stood in front of you and called for you. And you said no. You've been mentally trying to wash that moment out of your life ever since. 
maybe not committing suicide, but killing yourself in all kind of little ways just the same. And now, now that truth is standing right in front of you again. I tell you all the time, the good news of the gospel is not that you find Jesus, it's that Jesus finds you. Like now, right here. So that you can know the truth and that truth sets you free from whatever your past, from whatever addiction, from whatever failure. He's standing right in front of you. We beg you, do not leave this moment and not know the truth. pray together. Heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot or embarrass you. I don't want to do that, you know. I do want you thinking about your own life and I want you thinking about your life seriously. Second chance puts a lot of responsibility on you, doesn't it? For it means your life can be different. You can be a better husband, a better man, a better wife, a better woman, a better mother, a better child, a better father, a better son, a better daughter. Things can change in the power of his resurrection. More than anything else, he wants you to know that truth. We want you to know that truth. That's why we're on our way to the Welcome Center. You'll find the ministers standing over there. So big room, see it. Step out of the sanctuary, turn left, you'll see it. We'll be waiting for you there. We don't want you to leave and not know the truth. We don't want you to leave and not be free. Jesus is standing right in front of you, just like he stood right in front of Pilate. He's the answer to every question you're asking. Lord Jesus, every life is now in front of you. Every heart open. So we pray now the decisions we make are exactly what you want. 